0: Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to our uh, midweek uh, Bible study in Proverbs, uh, as we uh, near uh, the end of our study. Still, uh, quite a few weeks away, but um, we're all the way in Proverbs chapter 30. <clears throat> There's only 31 chapters, and so uh, we're getting there. And we're still in this section. Uh, I, I I like this section a lot. Um, I like these words of anger, um these uh, um, these wise sayings from this other man who was probably in the community of wise people and sages and whatnot with, um, Solomon. And we've been looking at his words today. We're going to jump into chapter, uh, 30, verse 15 and 16, and look particularly at, uh, just the, uh, the nature of greed. And he uses some interesting, uh, um, you know, pictures here, word pictures to help articulate, um, the, the heart of greed. And I think through it, we see um, some characteristics um, that, that we might find even at play in our own experience, certainly in our culture uh, and society. Absolutely uh, very relevant to that and something that we all need to guard from. And so we're going to jump into that. Why don't we have a word of prayer and then we'll get to it. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Grateful for your um, your provision for us, especially in unique circumstances as uh, um, COVID and uh, just the, the unique situation continues. We pray for your continued provision uh, that we would all continue to, uh, to you know, worship you and fellowship with one another um, in spite of it all. God, bring us back to uh, Sunday gatherings uh, together once again, um, uh, post haste, um, but certainly we trust in your timing and in your sovereign hand over it all. God we pray that this evening uh, you would use Proverbs chapter thirty um, and the inspiration of your word to speak to us to inspire our hearts towards uh, you and purity and holiness. And Father, we uh, uh, we will submit ourselves to you in the work of the word at this time in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Well, I'm excited for this evening. I'm grateful for uh, just God's word. I, I think I say that all the time, but man, it's just such a um, such an anchor, um, especially in times of confusion any kind of time of, you know, question mark. I mean, it's just, it's it's there. Um, it's always there, it's always relevant, it's always good, it's always um, purposed for us. Um, ultimately, it points us to him and uh, it's about him. And even in Proverbs chapter 30, where it's just these wise sayings from, um, you know, wise individuals from the past, uh, it's in God's inspired word. Um, in that he breathed it uh, into existence according to the new testament that's what uh, we see that all of scripture is god breathed um and in uh peter peter writes about how no prophet or or you know apostle even uh, but especially no no prophet spoke of their own accord but they spoke according to the will of the of the holy spirit and so Truly, the author um, of this is not Agar; it's not Solomon, but it's the Holy Spirit using these men um, to to convey his word, Um, and it stood the test of time, and it's still relevant today, especially this passage that we have here in verse 15. Listen to how it begins. Uh, Chapter 30, verse 15. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Isn't that interesting? The leech has two daughters, give and give, and obviously uh, there is no um, hidden message there. It's just pretty simple. Um, when it comes to greed, when it comes to the leech, right? Which we all know leeches are these parasites that um, will latch onto you and, and find its life source from your life blood. You know, and it just sucks on you. It just will suck you dry. And so these leeches, they only have two daughters. And it's to give and it's to give. Obviously, it's a singular problem, but in double proportion. That's kind of the literary um, device strategy used there, right? It's really only one daughter, but in double proportion. It's to give and to give, right? And so when the leech latches on, there's only one purpose, one point, one problem presented, and it's just going to suck you dry. It's going to suck and suck and suck and suck, and it's going to uh, expect you to give and give and give and give and give without end unless something happens, right? Uh, and that's how greed works. Um, it is one of those things that can become so gripping, so captivating, so addicting um, that if it, in order for it to end, something drastic needs to be made. Something that's probably going to hurt, right? Just like uh, uh, pulling a leech off of your arm is going to, going to hurt and probably cause a little more um, temporary damage to your arm. Right? Overall, uh, you will be spared from further sucking of blood, um, from further effects of of, uh, of a parasite on your body. Right? And so uh, the author goes here uh, to talk about this. Um, In the second part of verse 15, he says, Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, a childless womb. Earth, which is never satisfied with water. And fire, which never says enough. Okay. Um, Pretty interesting, isn't it? Um, These word pictures that are used to describe um, this idea of greed. Now, greed is never really said in here. So what we're talking about uh, is the greed of never being satisfied. Certainly there's greed of wealth, uh, greed of, uh, you know, material possessions. There's a lot of uh, greed, but really greed um, comes from a place of, of never being satisfied. Its counterpart or its opposite um, is what I, what I mean to say. Its opposite is contentment that you are satisfied even with little that you are satisfied and we talked about that uh, quite a bit last week I do believe so uh, what we're talking about this week is greed what is that other side where there is no satisfaction said three things are never never satisfied Four never say enough and then he goes on to list four things okay um, it's interesting. I want to make a few notes here. It's interesting just the style. We all know that Proverbs is very poetic in nature. You know, the same with Psalms, the same with Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. These are poetic um, books in the Bible that, that, that use um, a broader range of literary devices and you know, figures of speech and uh, uses word pictures and, and things like that to, to convey you know, the message, to convey wisdom. And so here we have this literary device, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any means, and I don't know um, even English language that great uh, to know what this device is called. But I know that it's a thing um, where, you know, the author here says three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. And he goes on to list four. And so you might ask, well, why does he mention three? Why does he say, why doesn't he just say four things are never satisfied? Four things are never enough. And the answer I have for you is I don't know but I can speculate. Okay. Um, and the first thing I know is that this is a a strategy used elsewhere in the scriptures In Proverbs chapter six, it talks about, um, you know, six things that God hates seven that are an abomination. And he goes on to list seven things. So, you know, the Lord hates six things, but seven are abomination. He goes on to, to list seven things. In the book of Amos, actually, um, a, uh, a book that I've been working through in just my own uh, personal quiet times, um, we see this again, if I can get there, um, in chapters one and chapter uh, chapters two. Um, let me find an example here. Uh, in Amos chapter, um, let's go with two. Uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, the Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Moab for three crimes, even four, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to, uh, to lime. And so he goes on to talk about a judgment. And then in verse 4, he says, the Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Judah, another city, for three crimes, even four, right? And then he lists, um, because they have rejected the instruction of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Um, And so what Amos does is he lists these cities and he says, I will punish them based on these three crimes, even four, right? And so what's the point of stepping it up enough? Well, I think uh, some of it is to just articulate the uh, the broadness of the crime, right? Um, And so three things are never satisfied, four never say enough, right? The ultimate crime here uh, being articulated in verse thirty is is greed, and so you know three, four. I mean, you can go on and on, really, um, for word pictures. But it's just to present uh, just the powerful pool of greed. It's to um, it's not to diminish how powerful greed can be, but it's to to amplify it to understand so that the reader can understand that this is a a bigger thing than just a single offense. This is something that can grip people's lives. Uh, but there's another piece of it that I think. It's possible. It's speculation because I don't know. Again, I'm not a Hebrew literary scholar. Um, not even in the slightest to even say that sentence is pretty, um, uh, pretty, pretty off for me, okay? Like I said, I barely know the English language enough to, uh, to convey that. Um, but one way that you can see this is like, you know, it's something that we, we do a lot with each other. Um, for example, you know, if um, I'm sitting by a fire you know, in the middle of fall, you know, kind of bundled up in my sweater and somebody says, man, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like this is a nice fire. And if somebody were to go say, yeah, yeah, I love fall, you know, I love chili and I love um, uh, the smell of leaves and I love a good fire, right? Now they made a list there, but the list was really to articulate the main point, which was the fire, Uh, that they love the fire, right? I've heard other people, you know, you see a, Um, You're watching a basketball game and somebody, somebody cheats, somebody does something crafty and uh, you know, you start complaining like, oh my gosh, what a cheater. You know, there's only, there's, there's three things I hate in life and that's a drunk and a coward and a cheater, you know? And and so you, you say all that to make the point that you really didn't like the cheating that just happened. So there's a list there, but it's really the last point that's accented. Uh, That's the main point. And there's a lot of scholars who commentators who believe that that's kind of what's going on here in chapter 30. three things are never satisfied four never say enough and he's making that statement but with the last one kind of being the the main one at least in the author's mind though all of them are relevant okay and so speculating that that is the case. I don't know if it is. By the way, in Proverbs chapter 30, we're going to be dealing with this a lot more. In verse 18, three things are too wondrous for me, four I can't even understand, Uh, right? Um, Verse 21, the earth trembles under these three things. It cannot bear up under four. This is a literary device that we're going to be dealing with through the rest of this chapter, but we will pretend like maybe the fourth point is the main point, and it's to that point that we're going to Uh, used to just provide some New Testament encouragement uh, to you believers, um, uh, to you New Testament believers. And so uh, with that said, let's talk about the first three and then we'll talk about the fourth and we'll just offer some encouragement to that fourth piece, if that makes sense. Okay, so the first one, he says, three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. And so these are the four things that he refers to, and I think within them um, are some glimpses into the true nature of greed. The first one is this. It's Sheol. That's what he says in verse 16. That's the first one on the list. Is Sheol, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. What is Sheol? Well, literally what it means here is just the place of the grave. Um, It is uh, the place of the dead. It is the grave. It's not necessarily referring to heaven or hell. It's just talking about the place of death, the grave. Um, and how does that relate to greed? Well, one thing about the grave, one thing about the place of the dead, um, is that it seems big enough to, um, never be filled, to never meet its end. Does that make sense? Um, the grave will always accept newcomers. Um, there is a, a vastness to us that it, it just seems like it'll never, um, it'll never be filled up. The grave will always be there. There will always be people who die. And so there's a, <clears throat> there's a few elements to this if you think about the grave. Um, one is that there's always room, there's this capacity um, that, that, that the grave has to just keep taking every single person who ever dies, right? It's big and it's broad. Um, there's another aspect to it, too, where everybody is confronted with the grave at some point in time. And so for this one, I think part of how this educates us in regards to greed is is what I'm just going to call a a universal capacity, Um, is that greed uh, does not have any bounds um, outside of what the Holy Spirit allows for the believer to to have to combat it. Um, Greed is something that, as far as I know, every single person that I know uh, deals with it to some degree or level. Um, It is the cultural sway of everything that we do is that, you know, there's always a new thing to buy. There's always a new piece of technology. There's always something um, that will cause us to, to chase after it. Um, and this is the starting place of greed. It's a place in everybody's heart. And I would go on to say, even though I'm stepping way outside of my realm of, you know, authority to speak on, but, um, you know third world countries people uh in other countries in in european this isn't just an american thing but this is something that everybody as far as i know all humanity um we struggle with greed and contentment right where greed is never satisfied and contentment is i you know being able as paul said to be to be content with much or little that you can be satisfied no matter what you have because of a a dependency upon the lord rather than that thing so that's the first piece. The first part of the nature of greed is that there's a universal capacity, right? Certainly there's just a general capacity where, where the grave you know, has no limits. Um, but for you and I, and for the rest of the world, uh, this is something that we have in our hearts. It's a capacity to want more, to find our dependency uh, uh in something else other than the lord whether that be in regards to material things or so we see in the old testament um with with uh worship right we're discontent with our lord and so we want to find uh, uh a uh you know a, a made one out of cast iron or, or you know you or cast uh, gold or whatever it is you know you make your own idol uh, that's what they often did because they were discontent they got greedy they wanted a different way of worship or as we see, even when the God's people um, wanted their own king, right? All of a sudden, God was not king enough for them. They wanted a human king like the rest of the nations around them. And so in their greed, they chased after something and they attached their reliance and their dependency to that thing other than God, who was sufficient for them before. But all of a sudden now, um, God was not. Right? They weren't satisfied in him. And so in their greed, they chased something else. This is something we all struggle with It's something that we all deal with uh, now whether or not you acknowledge it as a struggle is a whole different story uh, there's plenty of greedy people who have not ever thought that they were greedy people um, but they are um, they are and uh, really it just comes down to what do you depend on um, what do you rely upon for satisfaction and if that thing is not the Lord Um, then there is some greed to you because everything else is going to fade and it's going to go. Um, And so you're going to have to be chasing that all the time. Um, It's tough to live always chasing satisfaction and never finding it at any real level. Only the Lord who says, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the living water, you will never thirst again. That is the Lord. Only he um, offers that satisfaction that never runs dry. Okay. So that's the first one, it's the grave. And in that, I think we see this universal capacity of, of humanity uh, to be in this tension pretty much at all times. Right? Um, uh, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, I should say, that brings the person to a level of contentment and satisfaction in him other than other things. The second on the list is this, and it's one that hits home a little bit to uh, to me and my my family. Uh, first is sheol or the grave. The second is a childless womb. A childless womb. Uh, many of you know uh, Kenzie and I's story, and you know our five years in infertility um, doesn't even match with many people who have gone through much more. Um, we uh, we spent the first five years of our marriage wanting children and not being able to have them, and. Uh, even now we've, we've adopted three children by the grace of God. It's, it's, it's awesome, but there still is this peace, you know what I mean, that we've always tried to find contentment in. And that's the fact that we'll probably um, without, you know, with the exception of, you know, radical scientific procedures that could possibly make it happen. Um, we um, are always praying that the Lord would make us content with what we have and and not feel that pull to have, you know, uh, like my wife just always dreams about what it would be like to be pregnant and what it'd be like to have your own blood child, you know, and stuff like that. Um, And I don't say any of this to diminish what God has given us because we love our kids. Um, They are our kids. And it's been uh, a huge, wonderful, you know, praise God process, um, how it's happened. But you know, we're also human and, and we struggle sometimes with still this idea of infertility. But I remember back then, in those first five years of our marriage, um, and again, many people have gone through many more years of infertility without finding that child, and so they know this even better than I do. Uh, but we tasted pretty heavy uh, the intense emotional desire to have something that everyone else around us was having. To have something that was good and something that God actually calls good and to not be able to have it and to literally have no physical ability of attaining it. Uh, There just was not anything we could do. So apply that same level of emotional intensity and um, desire to anything other than God, to to something other than him or of him uh, in the area of greed right uh, and i will go ahead and say this even though our desire for a child um, we believed was born out of just a, a healthy place and it was part of the path that got us here i would i would go ahead and say that there were, were probably times where we worshipped the thought of a child more than um, the thought of his of his plan and in timing it, in it all i mean i'm not 100 percent sure i can say that I, I didn't go through those first five years and not give into the greed of wanting children uh, to the point where i maybe even became a worshiper of of wanting to be a father more than right it became something more than just a desire um now i haven't thought about it in total depth and so i don't even really know where i was or am and all that i know the lord brought us to where we are now and we're grateful for it um But think about that intense emotional, right? We're the first one, the grave. Uh, We talked about a universal capacity. Well, in this one, I'm thinking of an emotional intensity uh, that people get greedy about things and maybe even good things, but their desire for them surpasses their worship for the Lord. And so it becomes greed. Um, But intense emotional um, levels of greed, right? Thinking of a... um, it's a sad thing, but you think of a uh, uh, just young women who who desire so much to be loved by a man uh, because their father maybe didn't uh, do so well at at filling that void uh, in this girl's life, and so she finds it in the arms of somebody else who thinks um, who who just uses it to his own advantage right um, it's a sad situation. it's still a greedy situation because it means. Uh, going outside of of being satisfied in the Lord to find satisfaction in something else that's going to fade once again and so it's a sad situation you have some compassion for it but greed is still at play in that place there's an emotional intensity um, that is there because there's a void that's been left right Um, and and other things are chased after and sought after to fill that void Greed's still there but you have a heart for people who you know have a childless womb. I mean, that's the picture. It's You have a heart for that. You have a compassion for that. Um, and it's just part of the nature of sin in this world, I think, that it, it puts people in that place of, of void and wanting and desire. Uh, and even at a reasonable place, You know, people want their fathers, people want children, people want uh, affection, people want love. Uh, We've been created with this and it's good, but whenever we use those things um, to intensely chase other things and to get attached to other things emotionally that are not the Lord and things that we should be doing towards the Lord and letting Him fill us at the start and at the initial place of all of that, greed is at play in those places. So that's the second thing. The third is this, it's earth, which is never satisfied with water. Uh, the idea here is a parched earth. Um, it's the desert, right? It's, um, it's the earth that dries up and crumbles up whenever it doesn't have water and literally you can't water it enough. Earth is never satisfied with water. It's always going to need more. It's always gonna need more and it's always gonna need more. Um, so we talked about a universal capacity and we've talked about an emotional intense intensity, um, with his, with this, it's more of a, um, I think of a, a, you know, a thirst, a craving, or a dependency, right? Um, that the earth depends on that water uh, to come down so that it can produce what it's supposed to produce, uh, the vegetation, and provides life to uh, the surrounding wildlife and all that kind of stuff. It depends on that, and many animals and creatures and vegetation, all many things. Uh, The ecosystem depends on that. And when that doesn't come, right, there's drought um, and there is famine and there's everything that comes with drought, right? And so there's this dependency. and That is certainly a word that ties well in with greed um, because people can become dependent on on things. It's not like, you know, it's like once that desire uh, of greed has been met over and over and over again, um, it becomes a dependency. Um, it's kind of the start of addiction, right? Alcoholics become alcoholics because they, they take those initial drinks, trying to fill something, right? Um, for some people, it's just, it's a social thing. They, they drink uh, so that they are socially relevant, right? And, it, and that void of social relevancy, which isn't a big deal, you know, a lot of times compared to other voids that people have, turns into something that becomes dependent. Um, and so these dependencies, um, oftentimes the dependencies that people have, whether it's alcohol, drugs, that kind of stuff, or dependent, you know, codependency on other people and that kind of stuff, it usually all uh, starts out of place of void and greed to fill that void, skipping worship and pursuit um, of intimacy with the Lord. And then the fourth on the list, and perhaps the accented piece um, that the literary device points us to, is a fire which never says enough. It never says enough. And with this, I think of a, of a just total loss of control. You think of a raging fire, like a wildfire out, in, out west or whatever, and just how all-consuming that thing can be. Um, it's crazy how, how damaging fire can be and how literally there's nothing that you can put in the middle of it that's not going to be devoured. Um, there's nothing uh, that fire won't burn up. Right? Uh, even some of the strongest metals will will burn up in the right levels of heat. I mean, it's just unquenchable. It's just all-consuming. And this is, in my mind, kind of the extent of it. Um, that these dependencies and these emotional intensities and this capacity that that human that, that at some point it all boils up and it, it 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 becomes just this uncontrollable, almost identifying piece of the person. It becomes who you are. Is a chaser after things a worshiper of things a uh, a dependent person on things or whatever that thing is you know whether it be things or a person or a a, um, a life phase that you're waiting on or a family you know um, uh, a family status or what whatever it is it gets there and it almost gets uncontrollable um, Now, obviously, I think the scripture would point us to avoiding that at all costs, but even in that spot, what are we to do when it seems like greed has become this uncontrollable thing in our lives, right? What can a person do? I feel like the first thing that a person can do is just be reminded um, of the strong current of, of scriptural wisdom that speaks to giving us control. Uh, self-control, right? If we're talking about this place of greed becoming this uncontrollable thing in our lives, just like many other sins can be, uh, lust and so on, um, self-control is something that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's something that really, like so much of the New Testament, it speaks to. And it's important for us to understand that even as believers, when these things feel uncontrollable, they're not. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, then they are not uncontrollable. Um, now, if you try to control them yourself, you're probably going to strike out. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, there's a level of temptation to greed. There's a level of of, of this, that, that sure, uh, that it's going to take some willpower. It's going to take some discipline, but it also means that just because that temptation there is there does not mean that it is uncontrollable yet through God's faithfulness and through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? He gives us away. He provides an escape. Right. Galatians says that, Galatians chapter five says that self-control is a fruit of the spirit along with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. If you think about the fruits of the spirit and you think about how easy some of those come by, it doesn't come by easy a lot of times. We're going into the holiday season and I'll tell you what, even though it is the season of joy and peace and kindness and goodness, it's one of the hardest seasons I have to find those things right? Family dynamics and dramas and, and, and just busyness of life and, and all that kind of stuff, it gets hard. And so it takes effort. It takes work, right? To, to find peace, um, to make room for peace, to make room for kindness. The Holy Spirit doesn't just promise that these, these things are just going to magically arrive into your life. Sometimes I guess that's the case, but other times and many times it means that there's going to take, that the Holy Spirit's going to provide the pathway to those things, right? Certainly there's peace that transcends understanding and there's there's joy that abounds and that kind of stuff. These things can reside in our hearts even at those kind of uh, impromptu levels and and the Holy Spirit can do that. But there's other times too um, where where God says, you know, no temptation has overtaken you and you're going to have to be able to endure this, but I'm going to provide you the escape. Um, Will you take it or not? (laughs) You know, uh, that kind of thing. And so, Listen, um, you know, God gives us a spirit of, of, of love and self-control, not of fear is what it says in 2 Timothy. We can go on and on. But do you have self-control in this area of greed? Let's just take that at the start. Um, do you have self-control here? Um, and if you don't, be reminded that the Lord uh, provides a way um, and that you need to ask him Uh, for that freedom. I always think of the Lord's, you know, prayer um, and just how he specifically um, coaches uh, the believers to pray against temptation, against the evil one. Uh, Do we have that kind of prayer in our lives? where we're praying intentionally against the sinful places in our lives. Uh, We say this a lot, but the Bible tells us, you know, to gouge our eyes and ears out if they're causing us to sin. It's hyperbole, obviously. Um, But also, you know, that we have not uh, yet uh, resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. And so the Bible says that a lot of times when you're dealing with sin and these kinds of gripping things, uh, there's gonna take, it's gonna de- demand drastic measures uh, in order for you to um, take the Lord's escape out of that sin. He'll give you what you need um, to do it and he'll provide the escape. And sometimes he'll just pick you up and take you out. And other times he'll say, I've given you everything you need. Now put it into your life and and be done with this this thing, right? And so these are just things for us to consider Um, and not just with greed, but really any point of temptation, right? Uh, You think about lust and you think about um, all of the other realms of materialism, uh, you think about just your worship and your, um, your time and your, your efforts and energies and, you, and your money and all of that. It just goes on to it. You're always going to be tempted to use these things in ways uh, that are not worthy of the Lord. And in those tempting places, um, to be bad stewards of all that God has given you, will you uh, stop uh, the progression uh, before it gets to an uncontrollable level? Um, where it requires the shedding of blood and great deep personal costs for the greater gain uh, of freedom. Would you live in the freedom now instead of letting it get to that point? Um, and listen, this is a conversation that your pastors and your elders love to have with um, with our churches is thinking of good practical ways um, to uh, to guard ourselves and to even, you um, experience that cost uh, in a way that'll uh, provide the greater freedom uh, in people's lives. And so if you feel neck deep, um, you know, I, I'll go ahead and just say this too. I, I, I don't consider myself a greedy person and probably many greedy people don't consider themselves greedy people, uh, consider themselves as greedy people. Um, but over the last three to six months, I think six months, um, I realized that I had, I've been on this new medicine and so I've gained all this weight. And if you haven't noticed, thank you for that. But if you have noticed, I noticed too. Um, And so I got these extra pounds that I'm dealing with. And so I needed to buy some new jeans. Um, And it started as just an innocent effort. But listen, when you're trying to find a good pair of jeans that fits a kind of a unique body, it's amazing how many hours can get lost in just trying to find the right pair of jeans. And that at some point it's got to click and hopefully the Holy Spirit lets it click where it's just like, oh my gosh, how many hours have you invested in this and why are you to this point of doing this? And, and certainly you'll probably have this thought of, okay, maybe I've just, I've crossed the point here of just trying to have a need met and it's become this point of, of greed where that's been at a consuming level, beyond um, what it should be. And listen, that's a very small example, but if my experience was just a pair of jeans, um, is any indication of what a maybe bigger or fuller kind of greed, greedy uh, um, draw could be. Then it's scary, because I know what I have a propensity to do, even with small things, and so I have to guard myself from the big things, right? And certainly, if it did cross, uh, you know, kind of this greedy place, even with a pair of jeans, then I need to make up for that, and I need to uh, ask for forgiveness for that, and and. Uh, and let the conviction happen, right? So be open to the Spirit's voices, even in the small things, even in the big things. Be open to the Spirit's voice to uh, to correct and calibrate um, those temptations in our lives and so on. So listen, lots of personal thoughts, uh, a little bit of transparency on my end, so I hope you won't judge me too harshly for that, for being a human being uh, with this uh, universal capacity to greed, as we all have um, in, in all... Uh, 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 you can trust me uh, to take care of these things with the Lord, and listen, I hope you would do the same. Uh, Do not let greed become this unspoken understanding in your life that you expect other people to just accommodate and feed. Um, um, Do not let the normalization of greed in our society and culture um, push you into doing it without conviction. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then we need to always be seeking contentment and satisfaction in the lord so that that satisfaction is an anchor and so that we don't have to worry about finding that satisfaction in other things that's the key to contentment and i pray that you'll consider that especially going into the holiday season uh, where it seems like all hopes for (laughs) for contentment just fly out the window for a few months Um, get through the next few months being satisfied in the lord first um, and I'm sure our holiday season will go much better uh, than, than um, how it could, right? So love you all. Uh, it's a mouthful there. Please take it, consider it, and uh, uh, let the Lord do with it what he uh, sees fit to do. And um, listen, stay tuned this weekend. We'll have another online service um, presented, and uh, we're going to talk about the Word some more. Uh, stay tuned. Stay connected to one another, even at a distance if you have to. Um, let's, uh, let's continue in the fellowship of believers uh, as we've called, been called to and we'll pray uh, that December allows us for, um, for in-person services again. Until then, love you guys and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you.